From Washington, this is Talking Tax. I'm David Schultz. In the world of tax policy, it's generally considered a good idea to pay for a particular piece of public infrastructure by taxing the people who use it. That was the idea, at least, behind the gas tax, the 30 or 40 cents or so added on to every gallon of gas that you buy. The revenue generated by this tax at the state and federal levels goes toward building new roads and maintaining existing ones. It's simple, elegant. If you drive, you pay a tax that maintains the roads that you use. There's just one problem electric vehicles. Teslas, Chevy Volts, Nissan Leafs, and on and on and on. They use maybe little or no gas, which means their drivers are not paying the gas tax. This is a problem, but how to fix it? Well, one of the ideas floated out there is instead of taxing gas, why don't we tax miles, or rather mileage? That's an idea that Sahas Kata has been working on a lot. Kata is a tech entrepreneur in Silicon Valley and CEO of the startup Smart Car. His company is developing an app that would allow any car, regardless of make or model, to be internet-enabled. And he's also working with several states on pilot projects to test out how a so-called vehicle miles traveled tax would actually work. Mike Bologna, a correspondent with Bloomberg Tax, spoke with Sahas earlier this week about how this new type of transportation tax could work and about why the gas tax model of raising transportation revenue is running on fumes. Yeah, I think one of the uh, interesting challenges that emerges as we shift away from gasoline cars is a system that was originally designed without taking into account that cars would eventually use a different uh, medium of energy. And uh, we designed the gasoline tax maybe 100 years ago as it was a great uh, item to uh, correlate to the amount of usage of the roads that people drive. But as uh, electric cars become a larger portion of the vehicles on the road, the gasoline tax system is no longer relevant to uh, charging these individuals who have electric vehicles for their utilization of the roads. Do, do you see the, uh, for instance, the the Federal Highway Trust Fund as, as being sustainable then under the current sort of revenue structure we have? I don't think so. I think there needs to be uh, a massive overhaul in how we go about uh, charging drivers for the roads that are used as we head into the coming years because it's not just consumers driving this but even commercial uh, entities are uh, quickly adopting electrified fleets and as this shift occurs the uh, fund is going to be decimated because of uh, not being able to properly collect taxes um, from drivers to continue maintaining these roads. And, and we hear about uh, models, uh, the vehicle miles traveled model or the road usage charge model as being um, uh, possible solutions. How would that work and how would it sort of change the uh, revenue dynamics for states and the federal government possibly? Yeah. Uh, so let's take two car- uh, drivers. One has a gasoline car. The other has a pure electric vehicle. Uh, when the driver with a gasoline car drives 100 miles, he or she would have filled up that car at a gas station and they would have uh, had to pay maybe 30, 40 cents per gallon in uh, uh, fuel taxes. And uh, that uh, number of cents that's collected ends up being carried over to the spending on infrastructure to maintain those roads. But today, that 
uh, individual who has an electric vehicle doesn't go to the gas station because there's no way to put gasoline in that electric car. And as a result, um, they're in some ways getting a free ride on the infrastructure that they use every day. So the models that uh, uh, states are exploring act quite actively are a new taxation mechanism that's rather dependent on the number of miles driven. And by basing it off of the miles driven, it's irrelevant whether the vehicle's uh, um, energy source happened to be gasoline or an electric battery. And, and where are we seeing meaningful uh, implementation of, you know, this VMT model? Yeah, we've had quite a large number of states already explore or make efforts into uh, testing some form of a road charge or usage charge program. Uh, uh, states like Utah have been quite active with this, probably as one of the longest uh, running efforts or programs. States like California put a lot of great effort into piloting and testing this in 2016 and 2017. But we also see a variety of other states from uh, New Mexico, Nevada, Maine, Virginia, Washington, who have in some form began or have conducted some form of pilots or tests around this. What would you expect to see in five or 10 years? I mean, in terms of some of these pilots becoming more formal, I guess. It's one of these uh, very difficult things, I think, for any politician to have to drive through. And anyone who touches taxes, it's kind of like touching a third rail. And even if it is uh, a necessity, even if it is um, equitable, and even if it is just the a new form of replacing a taxation system that already exists, meaning that people shouldn't be paying too much different than they were already paying, it's still a very, very complex matter. So I don't think there's any disagreement from uh, either of the two major parties on the fact that this is a necessity, but it's rather who's going to drive the effort um, to actually make this shift transpire. Um, uh, and uh, uh, it's uh, unfortunately uh, a difficult matter because uh, if you do introduce the system, there it requires a large amount of education um, to the average uh, constituent about the fact that this isn't just a new tax, but it is actually uh, a replacement to a tax that either was not being paid or a replacement to a tax that was already being paid. And and how do you see companies, uh, tech companies like yours, uh, pl- playing a role? How how will technology, I guess, um, help states uh, implement uh, these VMT models? Yeah, great question. I think one of the biggest challenges that states currently are fearful of is the administration cost to collect every dollar in tax revenue. And every time you introduce a new taxation system, that is disproportionately uh, large. And as time passes, they hope to keep bringing this uh, administration cost lower and lower. So ideally, you have a very great efficiency uh, in terms of being able to collect uh, taxes uh, and uh, how much of it ends up going towards administration versus actual use and of that tax uh, revenue that's collected. Now that cars are becoming internet connected, uh, and I shouldn't say becoming, they, they are already internet connected since probably 2015. Uh, it is now possible for states to take advantage of the technology that is already available in these cars and simply build applications for these vehicles so that you can actually retrieve pieces of information from a car like an odometer reading. 
and this can potentially help accelerate um, uh, the deployment and adoption of these uh, road charge programs while ensuring the administration cost is actually incredibly low, even from the early days. And and your company is working with uh, some states uh, on, on those ideas, right? Uh, can you give us a, a rundown on that? Correct. Um, we have been part of the pilots in the state of California. We have also uh, uh, been part of pilots in Oregon. And uh, we are actually part of the uh, production program in the state of Utah today. Um, uh, on sort of a, a timely uh, basis, um, how do you see the uh, the incoming Biden administration uh, possibly addressing uh, problems with the Federal Highway Trust Fund? And and you think there's some potential at the federal level for a uh, VMT model or solution to come about? I really hope so. So maybe I can take a step back. And one of the uh, interesting things that uh, I think uh, as a technologist I'm excited about is the fact that the Biden administration has set some very exciting um, electrification goals uh, from uh, there they have an interest and I think they've made a commitment to electrify a portion of the government vehicles that the government itself purchases as a starting point they've also expressed uh, intention to uh, continue and expand uh, EV federal tax credits for buyers of electric vehicles. They've also uh, said that they have ambitions to set targets for the number of electric chargers that are placed across the country. So these are all great decisions and things that uh, um, the technology world highly supports. Uh, it's a necessity to make sure uh, um, we address climate change and other matters that are occurring. But um, this also accelerates the challenges we see in the trust fund uh, being further harmed due to the fact that uh, electric cars are becoming are going to become a more and more prominent portion of the vehicles that we have on the road in the United States. So it is, to answer your question, it's absolutely necessary for the Biden administration, in our opinion, to think through and introduce uh, some form of a solution to uh, uh, um, rethink how we do taxation, especially with the vehicle miles taxation type mechanism from a federal level. And in my opinion, uh, it's often left to the states today, and there may be merit to addressing it from a federal level rather than having every state have to come up with their own solution for this challenge. What do you see as being perhaps the biggest uh, obstacles uh, to VMT acceptance by consumers or, or drivers? Uh, and I don't know if those are, are economic or uh, uh, sort of social or what, but I mean, what, what's the biggest obstacles? It's, I think it's education. It's a tricky subject matter. If you survey people about where the funding for the roads come from, the vast majority of people simply aren't fully aware of this. If you ask them uh, that 350 you just paid for the gallon of gas uh, at a pump, um, and ask them if they knew that maybe 30 or 40 cents of it came from uh, fuel taxes, they're simply not aware of that. So, uh, but when they see that there's going to be a new taxation uh, system that's being introduced where they'll need to suddenly start paying for the miles driven, that's going to come as a shocker to them because that's not something they were previously aware of. And the interesting thing is when you do educate the vast majority of people, they do end up actually agreeing with the fact that this is a fair or 
uh, necessary system. Uh, and just to give an example of this, um, if you are um, uh, an individual who, let's say a college student, who may drive uh, a, a, an inherited car from parents, an older family vehicle, uh, you're still on your first job uh, um, and you know, you're know you trying to save money, you, you may be driving an older car that gets uh, uh, lower or less MPG, meaning you're actually paying more for every mile uh, uh, than someone who is, let's say, a little more fortunate, um, maybe more years into their career, with a uh, maybe a tech job and a brand new Tesla, um, you're you're actually paying more as a college student. But when you introduce this new vehicle miles taxation system, it actually solves this problem. Uh, both individuals are going to pay the same amount based on the fact that they are driving and using the same amount of road whether it's one mile driven, um, uh, it won't matter whether you're an individual with an older uh, car with worse MPG or you're someone with a new car with a, a great MPG. So it, once you educate people, I think it solves a problem, but someone needs to figure out how to actually educate uh, constituents on the subject matter. Now, now, you didn't mention privacy though, but that, that must be a, a concern uh, among some drivers about uh, a government agency maybe monitoring their uh, their decisions with their automobiles. Yeah, that's a great point. And I think uh, I've definitely seen those concerns as well. Those have been uh, a major um, uh, matter for a, a lot of different parties, including individuals. Uh, the good news is that what I've seen in at least the three states that we've worked with from Oregon, California, and Utah, is a, a group of individuals from these departments of uh, transportation who are incredibly considerate and thoughtful about privacy. Their goal and intention here is to ensure we have uh, healthy funding for our infrastructure to create safe roads that make it um, uh, um, easier for people to get around versus collecting any type of Big Brother type of information. So to uh, address the privacy topic, uh, there, these solutions that we're seeing with a vehicle miles taxation system, and specifically the solutions that take advantage of uh, connected vehicles that have internet connectivity built in, are actually just pulling the odometer reading. They're not pulling, in a lot of cases, anything pertaining to that individual's location. It's not pertaining to when they drive their car or how they drive their car. It's specifically the miles that were traveled and the miles that were and in fact the odometer reading itself is often not retained but rather just a differential if when the what the, the miles traveled were and you don't know when those miles were traveled either but uh, you rather only know it on the basis of maybe at the end of the month end of the quarter or end of the year so the information that the state ends up actually potentially collecting is as simple as a number like 3,000 miles and if you actually educate, again, consumers on the fact that, hey, are you actually okay with the state simply knowing that you drove 3,000 miles this year, the answer ends up often being, yes, that's actually not something I'm too concerned about. That was Sahas Kata, CEO of the company Smart Car, speaking with Bloomberg tax correspondent Mike Bologna. You can find up to the minute news on the latest tax and accounting developments at our website, news.bloombergtax.com. That website, once again, is news.bloombergtax.com. If you have any thoughts about what you just heard or really anything else, get in touch with us on Twitter. We use the handle at tax. 
Talking Tax is produced by myself, David Schultz. Kathy Larson is our editor. Special assistance today came from Jeff Harrington. From Washington, I'm David Schultz. Thanks for listening. This is Adam Allington, and I'm here to announce a new season of Uncommon Law, a narrative podcast series from Bloomberg Law. My co-hosts and I will speak with African-American attorneys and hear their perspectives on how big law is, or in some cases, isn't adapting to become more diverse and inclusive. It's not fair, but what can be better than being on the front lines of helping to make this country better for all of us? If not us, who? If not now, when? Just search for Uncommon Law wherever you get your podcasts.